Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. Sorry. That's the smoke parts. Token it's on another, the It's another edition of What's Good Under the Hood. Greg Hood of Mazda of Columbia on the top left-hand part of the screen. No, the other way. And Rob Sanders from Fox Sports Radio 1400. What's up, fellas? How are we doing? We're doing good. You know, you handed me a cookie today. And I got nervous. Like, well, you ate, you ate, hold on, you ate part of it. And so I'm going to sit here and, and you just picked it off. You didn't actually take it off with your mouth, did you? No, I didn't. I licked, so I'm gonna, it. I, I licked it. Then I was on. No, that just, no, just no, makes it even sweeter. No, but the I, point was I was afraid of what was in the cookie. So, I, you know, I didn't really want much of it. I didn't make them. So there's no good stuff oh, in there. We're safe. Okay. Next week, I will have, I will have cookies that will make the podcast even more entertaining. Don't do that for us. I'm still waiting on my chicken salad. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, oh, forgot all about that. Here's Wait a minute, what? The chicken salad chick. We talked about that. And I said I was going to bring some for him. I guess I was ignoring that part of the conversation. I don't remember that one. Was that part of the podcast or were yeah, you guys just talking it was, off? It's part of the podcast. podcast. If you'd watch them, it might help you a little bit. <laughs> I'm way too if busy. Were, if you were involved. And what we're doing would be great. All right. Hit me with something good. Hit me with a great question that uh, I can't answer. I, th- I think I think you can answer pretty much anything about cars. Rob, do you want to take the first one? It's it's the joke question. Yeah. Do you want to take well, that one? I, I was uh, I was looking around and you see uh, and it's like every dealer has this thing where, you know, and you've seen the Fox. It's been outside some dealers like show me the car facts. I mean, and when you look at it, is that something that is a like a third party that's going to look at a car and say okay this car had x y and z done to it or is it owned by someone that's going to uh basically put out there whatever it is to sell the car no it's an independent company it's actually part of the cox automotive group which has so many things involved in the car industry like everything from Mannheim auctions to um you know, dealer management systems that we use. They have all kinds of things that they offer. But it it's legit. There are some caveats to that. Um, Carfax doesn't know everything. Um, so you kind of have to be a little cautious if... Uh, like what? If, what? What would they not know about? Well, if, if I went and wrecked my car and then I took it to my buddy and had him fix it, that would never hit a Carfax. I mean, if I ran into a tree or a pole or it wasn't a police report or something like that, it, it won't get reported. So... You know, it's up to a customer to take a look at a car, just like we do when we buy one. I mean, I, I've seen cars that have been hit. You can tell they were repaired um, and they don't have a bad Carfax. And one thing is, like when I'm buying cars online, um, I go in and I pull up a Carfax and I look to see what the history of the car is, how many owners it had, how well the car was serviced. And then it tells me, oh, there's no accidents. But you can go over on the other side of the screen and see that. they do paint readings on a car. So they'll give you a low paint reading of a 5.1 and all of a sudden it's 15.3. Well, that tells you that fender or that door or whatever had been repainted somewhere along the way. So it's something, you know, worth looking at. It may not show up on Carfax. Then not every dealer reports to Carfax. Um, There are. Let me throw something at you, but just from something you said, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, I change my own oil. So that that's not going to show up as maintenance and all of that on the Carfax either, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. I mean, it's kind of bad on the other end Mm -hmm. too. I could take very good care of my car, but if you're just somebody that's looking at the Carfax, you're going to say, well, this fool didn't change the oil. How do I know that? 
Well, if the fool kept his receipts from what he did, and then he put that on the ad when he was trying to sell it, hey, I, I know it's not reported on Carfax, but I did service the car and I have all the records on it. You're going to easily overcome that argument. Keep your um, receipts, Rob. And, and there's a couple. There's another um, model out there. It's called AutoCheck. Um, I think when you go on eBay and buy cars, you can uh, check on AutoCheck, and they're used in a couple other areas. So it's a competitor to Carfax. But once again, they're not the Bible. And the biggest problem for us is, um, and I worked for a dealership um, before where we had a car that was sold. It had a clean Carfax. And then when he went to sell it, it had a bad Carfax. And the reason that happened was, is because there was a scrape in the door and it was refinished. Um, there was a minor accident. And I mean, I'm talking minor. It, it was just a little crease down the door and the, and the body shop had repaired it. And then they reported it, but it was in that transitionary period. We got the car immediately after it was repaired. We didn't notice anything wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with it. The repair was done extremely well. And then the Carfax didn't reflect anything on it. So when the guy, two years later, he went to trade it in and he was buried in the car. So he was looking for a way out. Um, he came back to us and said, you need to buy the car back. You know, you owe me 18 grand because you were committed fraud. Well, we didn't. It, we're not responsible for who reports or what reports. We just use that as a tool to help us understand what we have. So um, we actually ended up going uh, to uh, court with it, and we won. And we won two reasons were because he was claiming it was some ridiculous amount of damage. And we got a hold of the previous body shop that did the work. And thankfully, the guy had all the pictures from the work that he did. So it's probably 800 bucks worth of work, I think, to the whole car. So he's claiming that, you know, we devalued it and we committed fraud and all that stuff. And we didn't. But it's not a Bible. It's not. It, it gives. It's a guide. You know, I, they do it now for boats, too. You can run a VIN number on a boat. And you can tell whether it's been damaged or underwater or that kind of stuff. So it's a helpful tool. And, yeah, we even have one of those car foxes in our showroom, you know, that with the air thing running. And it's pretty cute. You'd like what, it. Do you, what are you feeding? Cookies? You're an animal guy. Yeah, big, big cookies. That's right. All right, give me another one. What you got? All right, I have one. Zero percent financing. Not that I have good enough credit to get that, but is it a, is it a good deal? Zero percent financing, financing, or is it going to come back and bite you in the ass later on? Well, how how can zero percent bite you? The only thing I can tell you is this: there's a lot of times, not all times, a lot of times there is zero percent that's done, or they'll give you a bigger rebate. So really what you have to decide is if I could on my own, let's say I could get 3% interest on a car or three and a quarter or whatever, and I'm offered 0%, if I take the 3% interest and I take a $2,000 rebate in lieu of the 0%, and I don't run to term on my loan, which most people don't, they could do a five-year loan to make a payment affordable, but they get out of the car after two or three years. And so if you took the money up front, instead of the interest, you actually would have a lower loan balance. So when it comes, if you're interrupting that loan part way, um, sometimes it's foolish to take the 0%. You got to do kind of a financial model on it to see what really works. So, uh, you know, manufacturers offer uh, those incentives for various reasons. But, you know, a lot of times it, it just sounds a lot better than it could be if your circumstance is not one to go into term on a loan. But does it take really great credit to have zero percent financing, or is that something they offer people with seven fifty, seven ten, or whatever? Well, seven fifty, seven ten is pretty good credit. I mean, okay. And if you're over seven hundred, you're going to be in seven twenty is kind of for zero percent is usually 
depends on the lender, depends on, you know, the, the captive, we call them, uh, you know, Ford Motor Credit or we have Mazda Financial or Kia Financial or whoever. Um, they have different criteria for what they do. And a lot of times it's driven by the manufacturer, too. So they might dig a little deeper in the credit area because they're getting a little spiff somewhere along the way or an agreement with the manufacturer uh, because the finance arm and the manufacturer arm are really kind of separate, even though they got the same name. And so, you know, they may buy it down just a little bit to maybe reach down to a 680 score, but they have tier tier levels on what they do. And generally 720 and above is the best. Um, and then it starts, you know, working its way down from there. So yeah, it impacts whether or not you can qualify for that or any other kind of financing for that matter. Rob and I were talking about incentives earlier today, and you had a couple of questions about that as well. Yeah, incentives I, I, and rebates. Yeah, well, how, how does that how does that come about? Do they uh, do they determine? All right, we're going to go and give rebates on X model, or or is it just across the board? Hey, we're going to give you this incentive to buy. Well, no, it's driven by you know all kinds of decisions. A lot of them are actuarial. I mean, they'll sit around and figure out what they're projecting to sell in a year. And one of the things that impacts how much money they throw at it is whether they're meeting that goal to get where they need to be. So if, you know, Ford's got F-150s and their Dodge or excuse me, Ram is sneaking up on them, they may throw some money at it so they don't lose market share. That's one way or Chevy or whatever it happens to be. Um, Sometimes it is related to supply chain. So if they've got a commitment to buy X amount of taillights for whatever car, and I'm throwing taillights out there, that's kind of minor, but there's, anyway, if they're going to throw X amount of uh, product they've they've committed to it, they have to make X amount of vehicles. And a down plant costs them a fortune too. So it's not just a matter of, uh, it costs more to have an idle plant than it, because they haven't met their sales goals than it would be to throw some money at a car to get it moving. So sometimes I think I'll call it ego-driven because they're uh, wanting to retain their market share Market share is important in the long-term play because, like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago, you know, owner loyalty is important. So if you're if their sales are slumping, they're going to throw some money at it uh, to get you to do something. And sometimes they're going to throw financing offers, and sometimes they're going to throw both. And sometimes they'll subvent a lease, and that word subvention is one where they are buying it down. So a normal lease rate may be you know, four or 5% APR, which breaks down to some, and I don't know what it would point zero zero two five as a rate um, money factor. Um, and they may buy that down to point zero 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 one, which actually equals 1%, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but they'll, they'll throw money at it to buy it down to make the payment more attractive. So you will then be able to afford the car and buy it. So there's a lot of motivations to why they do what they do. Um, just like we do. I mean, listen, there are times when at the um, middle or end or weekends or whatever, where I'm incentivizing my salespeople to work a little harder, to push a little harder, to um, make more phone calls, to try and generate business if we're a little bit behind what our goals are. And, you know, I like rewarding them for good behavior. So if they're working really hard, I don't mind sharing in the the money in order to get that done. So we're doing exactly the same thing a factory does. If there's a slump, I'm going to throw some money at it. Say, come on, guys, I'll give you, you know, 200 bucks if you sell that car. I'll give you whatever that number is. Or you sell three cars in a day, you get 500 bucks or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, they're, that's the same thing that they're doing. So they've got multiple reasons in doing it, um, but we are the beneficiaries of it 
from time to time if uh, sales kind of slump. We can see now with this inventory situation, um, they're they're not making as many cars, but they're making more money on those cars because they're not giving the incentives they had before. On the flip side of that, though, you know, the trade in most people have a trade in. So the trade in value or if they're going to sell it themselves has gone up to offset some of that, too. So, you know, it's kind of in balance in an out of balance kind of way, if I could say it that way. So is, did that help? Yeah. I mean, is there a time that uh, that you get the best incentives, though? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't I, I you know, there, there's times <laughs> he's well, waffling. No, it's not really a waffle. I'm trying to think I, about. I think it's a valid question. I mean, you know, I, I want to, if you're someone that price is the absolute king with you and you know that you can go in and get the best incentives at a set time. I mean, no, I, I think that I, I know what you're asking me and I, I think I'm going to answer it a different way. I don't think from the manufacturer you're going to have a particular time unless the market is soft at a particular time or they're trying to meet a certain goal. From a dealership standpoint, um, generally in the old days and not now, it doesn't make any difference. But you know, if you went back two years ago, um, certain manufacturers had volume incentives that were really, really weighted on that volume. So sometimes a, a dealer would have to sell you know, 200 cars to get some money coming back to them that, and if you add up, let's say, let's just say it's 500 bucks a car. Well, if you sell 200 cars, it's a hundred thousand dollars that you'll get as a rebate back from the factory by selling that many cars. So they were chasing those numbers. And I mean, I've done it. I've seen it where, you know, you're, you're giving away 200,000 to pick up 250. I mean, it's just insane. And, And that usually happened at the end of the month, but that kind of theory is just about out the window now because everything's changed. We don't have all the incentives. We don't have all the bogeys like we used to have uh, in order to uh, do what we do because just there's just not enough inventory. So it wouldn't even be fair to the dealer to say, hey, you got to sell 200 cars to get paid any extra money. All right. Well, can, can you debunk a lie for me or, or tell me if this is a lie? You hear all the ads and it's a lie. <laughs> well, they're terrible. They, you hear the ads, it's like, we have to get all of the 2021s off the lot to make room for the 2022s. In a pre-COVID era, uh, when we could actually get cars and, and things like that, I mean, is that something that's true? Sure it is. You know what? I don't want to have a piece of inventory sitting there having a birthday. And and there's there's things that go along with it. So if if lenders will lend on a car or a lease program on a new car, they expire. So if 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 I'm selling, if I've still got 20s on my lot and we're in 21, I, all the rebates are gone, all the incentives are gone, all the leasing uh, offers are gone, you're on your own and you lose big money to get rid of that stuff because now you technically have got a used car. You're competing with that market that's already a year old, maybe even a year and a half old. So when they make those comments, they're not lying. They they want that stuff to go. So you're going to get a better deal on the previous year car as you're rolling into the new one because they are higher, more incentivized for one from the manufacturer, but two, we've got a bigger interest to get them out of there because stale inventory does nobody any good. Your first loss is your best one. So you gotta you gotta be aggressive toward that. So no, it's not. Uh, I mean, do people say it when they don't need mean to? I'm sure, but um, for the most part. They're driven toward that goal. Now, 
How do you feel about the great lie? I, I It's just something. We, we have to clear the line. I'm just laughing because I'm like, that car that you're trying to sell me in July, it's still going to, in my mind, hold the same value in October. Yeah, well, that's not true. But anyway, because, I mean, a car is in used to be, it's not even anymore, but it used to be a depreciating asset. Now I think it's an appreciating asset. But for the most part over the years, it was always something that devalued. And, and the clock is ticking on everything because they put a year stamp on it. So it does make a difference. Um you know, there's other businesses where it's not so critical, like the boat business. You know, if you've got a 2021 boat, and it's got a 2019 motor on it. People go, how's that happen? Well, it's because I got a bunch of 19 motors in boxes and the motor's exactly the same in 19 as it was in 21. So it really doesn't make any difference. And a dealer will stuff it on the back of it. But and in the car business, we got to get them to go. I'm glad you're here because all these numbers, you're not supposed to do rap on the uh, math on the radio. But um, I'm glad you're here to numbers because I'm struggling. Andy, you ready, brother? You're going to do some math, Let's Andy? do it. And next time, the next episode, I'm going to do math, not on the podcast, because I suck at math. I suck at everything educational. Credit scores and how it can affect your car buying. The next episode of What's Good Under the Hood. Rob Sanders, Greg Hood, and me, Andy Woods. Thanks for listening and or watching. Once again, if you're only listening, you can check it out on the Mazda of Columbia YouTube channel. 